This episode is brought to you by Intellum. You know Intellum. We've had them on the show before. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know the customer education leads to retention and revenue. So the Intellum platform gives you everything you need to educate your customers, partners, and employees on the products and services you sell. They've got a great platform. They've got Evolve as an authoring tool. And with Intellum, put it all together, you can deliver highly personalized and engaging learning experiences, give your customers a single destination for all their learning needs, and create and manage a wide range of content. So check them out today at try.intellum.com slash C-E-Labs. That's C-E-L-A-B-S. Welcome to C-Lab, the customer education laboratory where we explore what? What do we explore? How to build customer education programs, how to experiment with new approaches and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its track. I am Dave Darrington and this is a special episode today. I'm always excited for these. Welcome, Shannon and Michelle. Say hello to the audience. Hey. <laughs> this is going to be great. Again, we're talking with Intellum today. And let's, let's do this real quick. I always like to do the International Day of first. And then I'd like you to go in and, and introduce both of yourselves just a, a little bit more so we know who you are and a little bit how you got to, to work where you're at today. All right. So... Here it is, International Day of the Reveal. This is National Teacher Children to Save Day. I like that yeah. one. I mean, it's teaching. Yeah. Or National Prime Rib Day. Yeah. Any votes for that one? <laughs> no, I have bad memories of prime rib. <laughs> <laughs> bad memories of prime rib? No, or do you get bad prime rib? Well, I'm not oh, no, right. never mind. I'm just confusing with ribs. <laughs> I watched some really. Gross rib eating. Yeah, I'm just burned. Okay, there's more to unpack in that. And it's actually Thank You Thursday. So thank you both for joining us today. And, and let's go have fun with this. Okay. Yeah, uh, awesome. awesome. Well, I'll, I'll introduce myself. I'll kind of piggyback off the take teacher kids to save day because right. I actually was a teacher. I, I come from a long line of teachers. So that was kind of fitting in my career progression. Was a first grade teacher. And then became a curriculum developer and really found my love and passion. I say I got bit by the learning bug at some point um, and yeah. turned that into adult learning. So I went into instructional design and now, you know, customer education, employee education with Intellum, doing some of those types of things with our customers and helping on their learning strategy. So very fitting. That's a great, that's a great career journey. I love that. I hear that a lot that I got bit by the training bug. It's yeah. in those of us that do come in from any kind of different field. So right. Many. Exactly. That's, All right. I think it's that lifelong learner sort of mentality as well. Yeah. That's really important for those of us in this field that you have that spirit. Shannon, let's talk about your background because we've known each other and met from different places and now you're, you've joined the Intellum crew. Tell us about yourself. I love this topic. So I guess I kind of got my start more in marketing, but then I ended up in curriculum development for an online school. Just learning that, growing an education team doing certifications and advocacy, things like that, ended up moving more into just content marketing. So kind of shifting mm -hmm. back and forth a lot between education and marketing, move from the content side to building a learning management platform for that company that I was doing content development for. So I thought it was interesting to move from the content side to the technical side. Yeah. Ended up 
at another company doing customer marketing and starting to build up customer education there, moved into a like a formal customer education role, building out e-learning on-demand courses for customer marketers, then back to marketing, <laughs> customer marketing for an ed tech company, and now over here at Intel. So I kind of get to blend my, my role here is more marketing, oh, wow. but the education world. So love that combination of the tech, the content, and the the marketing elements. You both present a fabric of knowledge and experiences, and you're well-placed in a company that can use those to help people. That's really what we want to get into today. So let's talk about this. Thank you for that. I love hearing about these journeys in particular because I think people in, that get into customer education have been called in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because yeah. Michelle, you talked about, Hey, you know, I was in academics and I was a first grade teacher. Oh my God. You're the best kind of person to know what our customers are like, because well, in a lot of ways, I feel like a first grader when I'm learning stuff. So, no, I don't want to do this or I'm busy or I've got, you know, it's that adult learning is a lot like a child <laughs> trying to get yeah. their attention. And Shannon, that marketing vibe, I think is real important to bring through in this discussion today too. So we've got academics and education and marketing and like how they fluidly all work together because this field is so strange, it's so palpably different from, let's say L&D. I know I was having a conversation with somebody about what's the difference of learning and development between learning and development and, and customer education or organizational education or what have you. In this case, it's kind of like, you know, in L&D, you've got this feeling like, well, you have to do the training. So now it's going to be, Bleh. and, but we're always like, I say it's L&D is like fish in a barrel. It's not fair completely, but the fish aren't going anywhere and I could kind of grab one out and eat it, right? <laughs> it's like I could, I have control, but in customer education and in educating a field, it's quite different because now we have to get motivation and maybe mm -hmm. gamify you know, we have to do things and pull through your interest and, and you have to engage you in other ways. That's important. So let's with that, let's, let's get into this. So today, I know we've all talked, we've been really excited about getting things together and the three of us and as well as Robin, hello, Robin, we'll mention you on this, couldn't be here today, but we're going to talk about the Intellent platform. We're going to talk even more so about gamification, which is a topic that's contentious and fun. And I have some background in this well, because I used to teach game design at a university. So now we're all going to really geek out here. <laughs> cool. All right. With that, how about we start about some learning science and let's talk about gamified learning. Michelle, can you frame this up for us a little bit more and, and set it up with the audience? Again, you're talking, you're talking to your people here, customer education, yeah. leaders, professionals, maybe a, a VP of CS. Makes sense. So the other thing I'll share too along the way is like how I became more involved with gamification when it came to either corporate education or customer education as well. And you're right, you you know, gamification is becoming a big trend and it is focused a lot around engagement. It's like how do we hit our target audience when it comes to like their emotional, behavioral, cognitive development? And so how can we use gamification to do that? But but the brain science around it, which is so fascinating, is when something feels good, we do more of that. 
And so it's really yeah. cool because games make us feel that they have story, which makes things more memorable versus facts and figures. You know, there are different layers and levels and challenges. Sometimes there's a badge or a, a reward, you know, those kind of things. And so with, with that, I think we use games to sort of as almost a, a way to escape certain things. And it's almost like learning becomes fun and we don't know we're actually learning in that sense. And so the game, the, the, the science or the brain research around that is that, you know, something happens in your brain that causes these sort of neurotransmitters to be re- released, the serotonin gets involved, whether it's a competitive game and you're competing against a team or whether you're competing against yourself just to learn things and get better. So some of those are the different types of things that we think about when it comes to the neuroscience, because, you know, you are either intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated. And these are the different components that when you think about gamification and learning, we need to consider. Okay, I, I got to interrupt right now. Because I love what you're talking about. We all do. This is, yes, 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 gamification. But I want to bring to the forefront right right away before we go any further that a lot of times people call BS on it, right? Mm. Even me, and I'm a lifelong gamer and I love games, but then I feel like there's this word trivialization or like a deprecation of the value and the, the significance of an educational intervention or product. That it wants, like, tell me I'm wrong, but I have, I have this feeling. Like if I go to, go to you and say, and you're my boss, Michelle, and, and Shannon and I are going to build this really cool game thing. And I'm all excited about it. And you're like, but Dave, like, what's the, what is really the adult going to get out of this? Are they going to perceive this as being remedial or a joke, right? Whereas you, and, and I know, we both know that game designers or perhaps some of the most, oh gosh, they have some of the best understanding of human psychology and what truly mm-hmm. motivates. I mean, look at Candy Crush Saga or, uh, you know, Flappy Bird, like just really, you know, all these little games that you have on your phone and you just, TikTok, you know, the people that make TikTok understand what the dopamine cycle is. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, are we at that point now where we're beyond the trivialization and gamification and game-based learning is real. It's like not a fad. Part of that (laughs) trivialization has maybe been the misapplication or the misunderstanding of like, how do you gamify a learning experience? When I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, the, the guy who does the salt thing, he does the salt over his arm. And I think we like sprinkle points on things and like throw a badge on it and call it gamification. And when you have this unintentional, I know, right? You know, it's like I like can, that. I sprinkle points of this points fairy. Okay. Yeah. So I think when you have that unintentional, like not very strategic approach to gamification, I think that's where it kind of devalues what a gamified learning experience can be and does. And I think that's something that we really encourage our customers to think about, or like just encourage the industry to think about is, is zoom out. And look at your overarching strategy. What are those goals that you're trying to achieve? And how do you reward behavior that drives to those learning objectives and the business impact? Not just like, how do we reward a behavior that's not necessarily tied to anything else, right? So like you could reward points or have a login streak, right? But does logging in correlate to any kind of behavior change or any kind of meaningful outcome? And so I think that's... Right. That's usage data. That's adoption, retention. I know you had some stats in here too. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt and shut you down. <laughs> and I'm like, you're talking yeah. about the right thing. And there were some stats in here. I think you saw a study done talking about 
I don't want to take words out of your mouth. Can you tell me a little bit more, like more about the data? Like in gamified learning, one of the things I saw one of the stats here said a large portion, over 75% of participants in an organizational behavior course reported they found gamified learning experience more motivating than traditional course design. So I wanted to, to pivot back to you and talk about, again, I'm vying for legitimacy. It's time. Okay. Gamification is a real thing. It's not a joke anymore. But what is the more of the science saying to follow up with that? That's where I was going. To what you said once before, and kind of what Shannon was saying is it can't be like the game for game's sake, and it yeah. can't just be the carrot. So there does have to be that strategy around it. And when it comes to the adult learning theory part of it, again, I was talking about like story. We can always connect to a story. Remember things that are more story-like in a sense. And so I think if, right. if you can, in the game design, bring the learner into that world or, or that environment that you're trying to design for, then it kind of takes them away from thinking about the learning aspect and sort of gives them the opportunity to really focus on what they're trying to accomplish. And so that sense of satisfaction of wanting to move further. And some of the things that you know Shannon was talking about is making sure that You've got goals, you've got structure, you've got that the storyline is there, you're getting feedback along the way and the levels. And so I think when it comes to the game design, the statistics are that way because people almost don't know that they're learning in a sense because you've designed it in a real well, really well, not just slapping something together, like I said, and, and say calling it a game. There are different ways to reward people for behavior, behavior change, and those kind of things from that perspective. I really like this discussion for it, more than anything because I think this is the first time I've really heard about this topic from uh, hey, it's real now. Let's let's actually get into it and not be laughable about it. Well, let's get back to what is gamification. Like what are we know now it's much more than the sprinkle points and badges dust, right? I I just I just love that evocative thing. It's points and badges for everything you do. Because I've seen that so many times, and I've even seen a trivialization of some early customer ed courses. Mm -hmm. But now what, what are those like game design elements and things like, gosh, I, I want to pull my uh, art of game design book by Jesse Shell up and, and talk about that because like things like a goal, you just talked about it, goals, rules. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like what's, what's underneath that's really providing substantive value? To me, it, it kind of reminds me back of my instructional design days. It's like when you're designing content yeah. or a course or you know, e-learning or anything like that, you have to approach it the same way. You've got to know your learners. And so there are different personas and different types of people. And, and you may have had experience with it in your game design classes and the teachings that you've done. Yeah. But certain people <laughs> with certain characteristics are motivated in different ways. So, you know, that's something to think about when it comes to the game design. Is it somebody who just wants to do it for the social aspect of it? Is it somebody who's more on the competitive side? Is it somebody who wants to learn something? So I think if you think about your audience and what their persona is or what their personality is, that helps when you're thinking about the game design to see, again, what is that behavioral change you're going to see? And how do you put you know, the Easter eggs in, in the game for those kinds of people that kind of draw them in and keep them engaged in some of that? So that's one of the things I, can, you know, uh, I think about when it comes to well game design. What does that mean then? So I remember this thing, I think it was called Gamer DNA back when I was teaching and I would have my class do a little survey and then we'd talk about that very much like mm -hmm. what we're talking about right here. And I think then there, there was like the discoverer or the explorer and the explorer just wants to push all the edges. You know, it's like what I do when I learn a new product. What's the first thing you do when you get a new SaaS app? I mean, there's a well, soft pitch yeah. to either one of you. How yeah. do you like to explore it? And like, I, I want to hear this real quick, both of you. You get a new app, 
What is the first thing you do with it? I am a learn by doing kind of person. And I'm very visually motivated. So I do, I, my family just jokes because I have these like manuals all over the house of like my dishwasher and, you know, my new printer, but I never read them. And I always just dig in and start learning it. And then of course I'll come across something and I'll go, wow, I have had my new phone for like two years. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that it did that or this app does that or did you know? And they're like, it would help if you'd read the manual, mom, you know, <laughs> I go, no, I had more fun learning while I was doing it, you know, that oh, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Shannon, so, what's your style? Definitely similar kind of go in dig. I, when I'm logging into a platform, I think I'm trying to get a lay of the land. Like what is the landscape here and where do I find what I, and I try to relate it to other platforms that I've used so that I can kind of get an idea <sighs> yeah. of like what the basic functionality is. And then I'm more likely to go look for something when I get stuck. And because I'm like a, just a very social person, I I love to read. So I'll read through a help thing, but I really just want to talk to somebody. Like I'll just go find somebody else who uses mm -hmm. the same platform and say, how did you do this? Or how'd you do that? Oh my gosh. You're, you're just like triggering all these little neurons in my head right now when I'm thinking about, okay, you're doing the social learning thing where you go, you know, I, Shannon, I'm like, I'm very much like this. Michelle, I'm very much like you too. Commonly, I remember myself as a kid and the thing that I love to do more than anything, computers were just kind of, home computers were just coming out. And I'd be at the Venture Store in St. Louis and I'd see these things in like a moth to a flame and, oh, what is this? And I'd just start typing stuff and things would start happening randomly. And then I go, oh, like that hands-on exploration of something opens up possible, the art of the possible. What could I do? But then you, you go into different modes. Like, again, I want to go back to the social learning thing. That's a play out of an adult learning playbook, right? What is social learning? It's Michelle comes over to my desk and says, hey, did you, did you know? I bet you did know. There's this thing that you can do. And I, oh, oh my God, can you show me that? Yes. And we sit down for 10 minutes and we have this vibrant discussion about this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, I did not know that. And now you've saved me hours of time. Mm -hmm. This stuff is going on. In, and like, I want to pivot it back to SaaS and again, come back to game design because SaaS is very much like video games. And one of the things that I lament is that we don't have more diversity, higher diversity of people that came in from those industries and sit down and talk. I'm looking at our script right now. So just kind of like giving you a heads up. What are the goals, right? Go to Carl Cap. What are the goals from Flinkgate? Maybe you could better, one of you would be better talking through this. What are the rules? What are the structures? It, can you can we talk about that a little bit more? Like, okay, now we're building and we're I want you to get I want you to talk about your platform too. So that's why I'm kind of leading you down this road. But what are the things, what are the verbs and things you have intrinsic to the platform that in Tellum platform that allow us to do all this? What unlocks us? So you talked about the social aspect of things. And what's really interesting is we've been looking at gamification at Intellum in a different a slightly different way. And, you know, looking at the learning science, I don't think there's a lot out there right now on this, but it's around reputation building. And so when you think about social, you know, the example you just gave where you went to talk to somebody and show them something, well, you have some level of trust and credibility with that person because of some other experiences that you've had with them. And so when you went to teach them sort of in a social setting, you know, you had some credibility, you had a reputation with them that you're a credible source. And so we're starting to think about this from a from the gamification aspect of things and how do we take not necessarily the leaderboards, but the challenges, the rewards, the badges and those kind of things to both intrinsically and extrinsically motivate the learner 
when they're wanting to be like that thought partner, being sought out as a thought partner, building their own reputation in a social way, either on LinkedIn or something like that, or even internally within the company. So the leaderboard no longer becomes this competitive thing. It becomes like this world of knowledge that's available to me now. And I know who to go to. I call, I call it sort of that was the, the game we used to have a million, a millionaire or something like that. Like I can phone a friend in a sense. So, so now I have a whole directory of phone a friends if I need to know who's the expert in this area. And so that's one of the things that in our new gamification that we're launching inside of our platform that we're thinking about a little differently than just the rewards and the badges and, and those kinds of things. Whoa. Okay. You blew my mind with that. So that's different. That's okay. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm just kind of like getting excited about that because now we're going to another level of depth, right? Because that first, let's talk about that first layer. We've got where reward structures and terms and feedback and all these things, the, the pedagogical game design stuff. I have a rule. Hey, if I get in here into the system and I go through and I, you know, okay, let's talk about I'm logging into Intellum for the first time and I'm a new learner, right? I've used, And again, I'm trying to throw out other concepts in here. Shannon, I want to give you credit for something that was really important, which you said, which is, I'm Shannon, I'm Michelle, you know, like both of you have done all these different things and learned all these other labs. One of the first things you do is use your own experience set. You Uh say, Intellum is like X, Y, and Z. Cool. And then you go explore, 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 you know, give me a reward for logging in. Oh, and I see, but things like those are little rewards at the first touch of that journey. Now we're thinking a marketing journey, Shannon, right? And now we're actually pairing that marketing journey with an educational journey and they overlap. The purpose of marketing is awareness. The purpose of education is trust, right? And the two, like peanut butter and jelly, actually form this composite that expands a lot more and lets the learner and the ecosystem of learning happen. This is like weird stuff. I mean, I'm going a little woo-woo. But what I'm trying to get you to talk about is more is, I love this concept of the next-gen leaderboard. Okay, Michelle, I know you went into the system, and I see a kind of a leaderboard. We're not calling it that. But I see Michelle's at, Michelle's at the top of my community engagement. You've been in the community. We actually did this at site at one point where we had all these points kind of in the background that said, hmm. if... I saw Shannon and Michelle, you're my customers, and you would log into the community once a week. You would make a post maybe. Maybe you might make a post on LinkedIn that talks about something you learned about the Intellum platform. Maybe you went and did a talk somewhere, and now you as a customer advocate are out there advocating for the Intellum brand as a separate entity, but you brought your knowledge that, and we at Intellum have exposed these badges which validate that experience set. But you see what I'm saying here is that this is an evolution, a fundamental foundational evolution in all the game concept of gamification. It is not the same beast anymore. It's legitimate. Mm -hmm. I like how you talked about, you use the words community engagement and Michelle, you talking about like, I think historically we've thought of leaderboards as like, who's the top? And I think that gets to maybe more competitive people who want to be at the top But if you're also looking at it in terms of those, like, who are those people that I can talk to who have answered a lot of questions in our support forum or our community conversations? Who are those people that I can tap that know about different parts of the platform? So 
at my last company in our community, you could look for people based on areas of expertise that they had in the field or in, within the platform itself, if they knew really knew how to do importing well or marketing engagement, platform engagement, things like that. So I think it's like, how do you find people? Because it's not just using this platform in general. I'm trying to do this very particular thing. And when we think about how many different types of people might yeah. be using any software platform or what objectives we're trying to achieve, it's probably going to be different, like depending on who you are and what you're going in for. But really leaning on we're social learning is inherently social. And so how do we incorporate that into our learning experiences in general, but then also into this idea of like, how do we reward that? How do we recognize that? How do we encourage that? Because it is how we're probably going to learn better. And and Michelle was talking about the reputation building. And I think we are seeing that if you even, you talked about LinkedIn, we're seeing more and more people kind of building their personal brand on LinkedIn. And I know one of our customers is looking at that. They're they're thinking about this concept of, of reputation and how do we help people become recognizable in their field through the learning that they do kind of highlight that, which leans on like my customer marketing advocacy roots, like it all kind of blends together. And they're thinking about how more people are trying to build that credibility for their own personal brand. Again, my brain is on fire thinking about this. I want us to, to flow into the how. And I think it's best to talk about the how by mistakes, right? What did we screw up? I'm going to tell you what I screwed up to begin with, okay? I'm going to give you an example. Again, this is a positive example, but it's a learning experience. Everybody knows I worked at Outreach. It was this fabulously interesting experience to me. This is what I love about SaaS, right? The neuroplasticity, one of my or my guests had talked about that a long time back is, Shannon, you just said it. I learned this and I learned this and I learned this. And they have these similarities. That is part of your, our brain now that we know all these things are like other things and we know how they're different, right? And now we're coming into okay, here's Outreach, here's this amazing platform that can do all this stuff. It's about engagement, it's about marketing, it's about education. How do we fluently connect all these dots? And what you're telling me right now is this concept of a leaderboard is doing multiple, multiple things strategically for my company that you might just trivialize and say, it's just a leaderboard. No, that person on top of that leaderboard has had intention to go and learn and show that they know how to do the product because that gives them the ability, you know, Nick Mehta had said this before about how the value of a certification or a credential at Gainsight would lead to somebody getting a job because they proved they could be a Gainsight administrator at a complicated level. We had a badge for it. That badge just doesn't mean I got a badge. That badge means a series of things happen. Mm -hmm. Now, I've mm -hmm. screwed up in ways because I was so excited about the fact I had a little badge, right? You could show off. That what that did, it translated, and this, not good, not bad, but just kind of meh. When we released badges for the first time, everybody got excited for it. And then it became a race. And there was a low bar, right? Okay, yeah. And, I'll, and I remember one person, she went on social and said, oh my God, did you see our reach has badges? I'm going to get all of them. And that weekend, she got all of them. Wow. I'm like, oh yeah, yay, but that really wasn't what I intended. So, okay, that was my mistake. Can both of you talk more about your experiences? That's what matters. It's not what I did. What are some of the big mistakes that's happened here? And as we're getting into platform stuff, who wants to tee that one up? Well, 
to build on what you said and, and what we were talking about earlier, I do think you have this, are we rewarding learning for the sake of learning or like are mm. people kind of rushing to the end and getting the badge, right? So are we setting it up where there is a world where someone is is racing to completion, not with the desire to learn or even apply that learning, but because they're clicking all the buttons and fast forwarding, watching the video two times. I'm like, that's me with like social <laughs> training. I hate to say it, Guilty. but right, talking about <laughs> earlier, you were talking about L and D and how it's compliance and you're just kind of forced to do it. But I've had two completely different experience, well, multiple experiences, but two stand out in my mind. One was really boring. And yeah, I'm watching the video on two times, four times speed. That's not even humanly possible. But like, you're like, like just trying to get to the end so you can cross it off, answer a, a question that like, there's clearly a right answer and clearly a wrong answer. But then I had another one that was like, really well done. It used a story and a narrative and you were learning as you go. And, and there were some like, things that you could select that were a little bit of a gray area where there wasn't maybe a right and a wrong answer, but there were different ways that that conversation could turn out. And I was, I mean, I was really thrilled by it from like a learning experience perspective, like, wow, this is actually probably the most engaging, wonderful training where I actually learned a lot and really enjoyed it. Uh, It was like a sexual harassment training for work, but it was actually really engaging and wonderful because they were thinking about like, how do we engage people in thinking about this in this conversation. Wow. Yeah, so I, you, yeah, you could use it for compliance, but I think sometimes we just think, well, people have to do it. But if mm-hmm. you think about how do we actually engage people in important conversations, whether it's security or harassment at work, or even like DEI, making sure that people are engaging in that learning in those conversations and not just like clicking the button to, to finish the thing. Yeah. And I will, I will share because I've also seen the good and the bad or <laughs> the good and the ugly, that kind of thing. And I think early on when, when game design came out, I think we were so excited about the possibilities of it all. It was almost like we threw everything in the kitchen sink in there. And it kind of goes back to what Shannon had said before, yeah. but like when you first go in as a learner, you're, you're just trying to get a lay of the land. And so if there's too much, it almost becomes this noise that gets between you and what you're trying to accomplish. And so it's cool, all the gadgets and the wizards and stuff like that. But the problem is that if it's not, if there's no structure, you also learn, lose the learner in that sense. It's kind of like when you're sitting maybe in an instructor led class and something that the instructor says or the facilitator says doesn't click for you and your, your brain sort of takes a commercial break and goes off on that tangent of trying to figure something out. And then they're losing the stream of the learning aspect. The same thing with game design is when you put everything in there, even though it's cool and it's fun and it looks great and there's so many options the learner can get lost in that sense. And sometimes they check out because they get overstimulated in a sense. And then, of course, they're not going to go to completion because if they have to complete the game to get the badge, but they're overwhelmed, it's sort of cognitive overload and they sort of bounce out in that, at that point. So something to think about as well, like not, again, being purposeful. It's like purposeful design when it comes to game design. Not just the structure yeah. and the story and the goals, but really just what is the end thing that you're trying to accomplish and how can you do that in a clean and simple way but still get your message across, get the content across to the learner. You know, you're, there's also something to, to add on to that. And I want to come back to the two points that you had in our script, but I also think about the concept of flow. And what's the, the person, Mikhail Chimiemska, Chimiemska, I don't know, I can't, I can't pronounce, I never could, I even taught a course on this. But this gentleman had created this model where if you think about an axis of, you know, Y axis, X axis on this one is it, it, there. And I'm not going to get it right. I'm just thinking about it. But basically you have 
complexity versus time or some mm -hmm. index like that. And as you're playing, things get harder a little bit, but then they need to get a little easier and then they need to get a little harder and they need to get a little easier. And this is this herky-jerky experience that a learner has, which video games have very well, not just video games, all games have got very well mastered the concept of keeping the person in flow. Mm -hmm. I watch my son play video games or my daughter play video games and I watch how they're drawn to it, right? And they're constantly being threaded. But in education, this is a lot more complicated that I can't, like when I, why, why I really intentionally led in both of you to, to this discussion and, you know, how we could trivialize what we call gamification is because it's so easy. And let's talk about two points. To obviate that strategy and then really understanding, I think, Michelle, you brought this out. What's your, what's your audience? What's their motivations? We can go back to the customer education manifesto and we talk about all this kind of stuff. We're leading with data. We're, we're understanding our audience. We're going to them in the moment. And I was thinking about this. I want you to talk about the strategy and the motivation and the audience again. But something I experienced just last night, I was doing a compliance video. And I'm going to say it because I want to give the company props for doing this. It was Vanta, who is a big company that, that does compliance training. And this is the most fun little video I've seen in a long time. Just a llama. And the llama was talking, you know, like, I love llamas. And he had me there. And then the llama was, but it was the motion, right? It was the timbre and tone of the character speaking. It was the things that were happening behind the scenes. It was things were brought in at the right times and I could grok them and go, oh, okay. I wanted to watch that damn video. Mm -hmm. Good job, Vanta, right? Because you made compliance training fun. But that's even more important for us in the education, the extrinsic, the customer we're thinking about this topology of we're flowing inside and outside of a company. We have in customer enablement, we have L&D, we have customer, you know, it's fluid. It's very hard. And we have to use these same tools. So can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, maybe getting started with this and how you would strategically approach gamifying something? I didn't share this in my introduction, but I was in instructional design for about 25 years with Disney. And so we were right on the cusp awesome. in the learning and development team, right on the cusp of, you know, when e-learning was becoming the thing, right? And we were a little cautious in the beginning and, you know, let others do things and learn from their experience, their mistakes and, and sort of took it on. But we had the same questions, the same concerns when it came to game design. It's like, how do you, if everybody's just now starting out, there's really no best in show or best in, you know, best in class kind of example of how do you approach this. But being that it's Disney, it was always start with a story, you know, you've got to have a story as a foundation and that kind of thing. So it was interesting to think about how do we take almost from a rudimentary perspective, we looked at board games. We said, how can we take board games and think about that concept of there's a story, there are rules, there are challenges, there are things that are going to require me to think differently. It's not like a race to the finish in a straight line. It's going to ebb and flow. There's going to be pitfalls, you know, and how do I think about that? Because when you can throw in some of those challenges, it gets to the learner having to now think more strategically. So sometimes with compliance training, you're right. It's like a click through. I got to complete this. It's very mandatory. So we have to also think about from game design, how do you add humor? How do you, you know, shake things up and you sort of grab the audience in a marketing kind of way. You only have a certain amount of time to capture that audience. 
So there's a variety of different components, but the strategy is where you have to start almost like thinking about how do I build a game? You know, you have to start with the foundation of certain things and strategically think about some, how do I do, how do I incorporate some of those types of things? Again, back to the audience, the motivations that they're, why are they there? What are you trying to um, get them to accomplish? And so I think to your point, I've seen some really great, you know, even I think about the airplane, like used to sit there, be bored and listen to how the put my mask on when I'm, you know, in the event of an emergency landing kind of scenario. And then the, you know, put your mask on before you put on someone else's and how they've really played off of that. And they've gotten a lot of humor. And I think it's really thinking about your audience. And, and like you said, at one point using data, using the data that you're seeing that what can we do to make things a little more engaging. And back to my Disney example was, you know, our compliance training, not really boring in a sense of like when we first started out, it was the very typical dry, you know, don't do this, do this, be aware of this, you know, this will keep you out of trouble kind of things. And they were able to bring in because it was Disney, you know, actors who were well known. Yeah. and make situations funny, you know, sort of like office etiquette, you know, maybe Darth Vader walks in and you think, don't, don't talk, don't talk about these types of right, exactly, right, those those motions of of, uh, office etiquette and, you know, non-harassing kind of environments, but not that they did that, but they have a wealth of opportunities to take that story and really draw the audience in with it. So I think there's some, some great opportunities, but it has to come down to strategy. Oh my God. I'm just laughing. I'm, I have to say this. I have to, I'm sorry. I'm not going to interrupt, but I just, yeah. I've seen, have you seen some of those TikTok and YouTubes with, oh, like Adam Driver and it's like the secret boss, what are undercover boss, you know, where he comes in and he throws it in there talking about, oh yeah, that you know, whatever guy is, he's terrible. And it's a whole Star Wars theme, but they're just talking about oh. learning all this stuff. Like, oh my God. We talked about the evil queen. Like you want to talk about like having a, a difficult boss or having a con with it with difficult conversations. How do you have difficult conversations? And the person you're ready to have a conversation with, like the evil queen of hearts. From- oh, <laughs> we never did it because of IP reasons, but it was very funny um, to think about what we could do with that. But that's cool. But that, but actually it matters. I mean, we think about working wherever you are, if you can introduce that humor and that, I think that's where L&D has been deprived of fun, you know? It's not because we're like, well, just get through this. But the conversation, I really like what you're talking about, about how you're trying to enter into a conversation. And now I'm thinking about more of the tooling that's coming out. I'll mention some of the ML AI platforms. One that comes off the top of my head is Bongo, which is an enablement platform for a lot of sales folks to do training conversationally, but then get tips and stuff by that system. And that, so now if you did a training and you did a thing where you had to do a teach back, you're like, okay, Dave, what, what you're doing next is we want you to do a teach back with what you have to do X, Y, and Z. Here's a little place you can scribble down your notes and record a video, go and bring some humor into it. But cause you're going to be working with real people as a salesperson. And we don't just want to see the spiel, we want to see your, your spirit. So now you're, you're actually wedding all these systemic ways along with a platform that can tool these things together to build a fabric of education and learning that's fun, exciting, interesting. Okay, I, I, I'm saying it like that because I think it's time. Let's talk about the platform and not what you're doing special and what's your secret sauce. And like, that's what we're here to talk about. You've set the stage. Now we see the tone and the direction where you're kind of headed. 
Tell me about, tell me about Intellum. Tell me about your culture and tell me about what your, how you want to express yourself to the world, to our audience. That's a lot. <laughs> My processor brain is like, <laughs> like oh. <laughs> all right, maybe well, let's start with the easy one. Let's talk about some of the new, like we've talked about your perspective on the market. And I think one of the most important things I know back in was episode 43 or so we talked with Chip. And we had this really amazing discussion, one of my favorite discussions, because we had to talk about Radiohead, because we'd done an episode on that. But it was about the science, starting with science. And when I think about your platform and what people say about it, there's you know, a lot of praise. There's a lot of interest and you have a lot of capabilities. But I want to like understand where you're coming at the with the we're coming hitting the market with. Why do we want to consider you? What are the really cool things that you can do? Yeah, I, I would say for a long time, this is, predates me, learning science has been sort of the ta- in the tapestry or in the DNA of, of Intel. It has driven a lot of the decisions from our roadmap and our product development. So I think having a, a dedicated focus to that has really helped. We've even done it in a way where you know, we have a point of view on some of these things, but we're also sharing it to the greater learning community. So it's not just for our own development perspective, but also to help further further the, further the learning community when it comes to the learning science around learning or ed tech or, you know, like even gamification. You know, even our roadmap this year, we're, we're talking about video apps. And so that's something else that's like sort of like a behind the curtains kind of look is that how does video play out as a delivery mechanism in yeah. learning and how is that changing? Especially when we're all remote now and people are consuming more content in video format. Think about like my day, you used to go to YouTube to figure out how to fix something. Now you can go to TikTok and learn and you know how to do something as well. And it's shorter, bite size, again, humor. There's all kinds of things that are in there. But that's why I think the learning science is also, it's informing the product and the roadmap. It's informing right now in my role specific because I'm focused on learning strategy. It's helping me as a former practitioner to help our customers use our platform in a, in a different way and to think how can they be more purposeful, how can they be more strategic, talk about acquisition of their learners, talk about the engagement that they, they need to have, you know, look at the data to find out what's going on and, and, and take that information in a way that kind of draws back to everything. Yeah, that's really cool that you could add that consultative and educational consulting layer in to your delivery, because I think, look, I, I know as someone who's done RFPs and, and has had multiple platforms, I've used all of them. It's situational and intentional which platform I choose. And mm-hmm. what I'm looking, when I'm looking at a platform like Intellum, I see this constellation of different tool sets that all come together in one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this up outright because you've talked about a concept of organizational education. I know that was part, I don't know if that's this, that you're pressing forward with that still, but I think it's actually an important way to think about customer education. Organizational is that matrix or topology that is inside, outside, and upside down. It's all the things, right? Whereas I think in customer education is part of that fabric and we have a piece. Can you tell me a little bit more about, uh, about that and how that is important to your culture? Yeah, I think one of the things that we do I want to say exceptionally well is is the ability to easily educate multiple audiences. So you're talking about internal, external. So whether that is internal L and D or product education for your internal employees. 
customer education or partner education. If you have channel sales partners, often this content is is the same, but a little bit different, right? Like you might need to know things to a different degree. So I was talking with a customer the other day who was using a different platform and and was looking for something that would allow them to basically upload the content once, but give these different instances and personalize the journey. And so they're cutting their development time in in a, a third, well, by two thirds, because now they're just uploading to one place and they can kind of populate and customize the experience for different people. I was talking with another customer the other day who has that same idea of they're doing internal product education, customer and partner education. And so just the ability to tailor to each of these audiences, but not have to manage all these different instances, upload to three different places, you know, oh create individual learning activities for each one. It's just, it's a lot. And especially when you consider for larger companies that are producing hundreds maybe of, of pieces of e-learning content, thousands maybe, that's a huge catalog to multi-purpose and all these different platforms and make sure they're all up to date. So I think that is that idea of organizational education for us. It's that scalability to educate multiple audiences from the same place. That, I'm glad you said it that way, Shannon. That is extremely important because one of the things... And again, we, I like to kind of think myself as an analyst, analyst light maybe. And I will tip my hat to John Lay, who is you know, talented learning. He, he knows a lot about different platforms. And one of the trends he's observed, this is in his stuff, and I, I agree with and, and I observe too, is this convergence at some point of these different modalities of learning. And one of the things that I really want, you, want this audience to understand, and you know, is that, hey, you know, we're sharing this content, how this platform and how platforms should move forward. Like, look, in the past, we've come from extended enterprise. So a lot of times you've gotten an LMS that's primarily serving HR. This is how things have been evolving. Those -hmm. systems are still good and they're kind of like coming our way and the other platforms are going the other way. But what your platform is good at is all of that, right? It's a well-rounded platform with tooling that can do a bunch of different things as well, right? So when if I'm a company and I'm crossing that chasm, I'm a startup that's not so startupy anymore. Now I've got enablement. Now I've got L and D. Now I've got product. I've got you know like all these different places. I'm managing a cacophony, a symphony of learning, and that's cultural. And I like the organ. And like I've actually come around to the like at first when I heard organizational education, I I bounced off that. Like no no no, we're a customer education podcast. Yes we are, and this is part of that. The role mm-hmm. that customer education plays is part of a flywheel where we're collaborating and partnering with enablement, with L&D. We should all be a center of excellence together and leveraging the, those resources together, particularly as we get into that part where if you're thinking, if you're in an IPO in tech, and I talk to you a lot, this is where stuff's getting real, right? Because you have to move faster. Guess what? Right now, it's 2023, April. Guess what? Tech is a mess. We have to do more with less. So if you're going to make mm-hmm. an investment in a platform, I want that invest, investment to be able to service different verticals. And even externally, maybe different subsets of people, a white-labeled website that's for a partner. You know. So anyway, can you talk to any more of that? I'm just kind of like connecting your dots. I think it also depends on our definition of customer because I think we, Ooh. and I see this in customer marketing too, is like, Historically, we have defined customer as someone who has paid us money for a product or service. 
Yeah. But your employees are customers of a variety, your prospects are customers of a variety, your partners are customers of a variety. These are all different customer bases. They just have different needs and, and they have maybe a different level of understanding about your industry, about your product. I understand like from a customer education, like wanting to elevate the field perspective where we we, we want to give it its time in the limelight and like not absorb it into a bigger concept. But I also think if if we're thinking about how do we provide more value to a business, it's like instead of creating content that's one purpose and one purpose only, if we're also thinking about how that same content can be used, repurposed for other situations, we're really actually like producing greater business impact. And so, yeah, I think that scalability part of the platform. And that was actually, we did a a research report last year and that was like the number one capability that executives were looking for in a learning platform was the ability to scale. Cause you're exactly right. It's not just 2023 for years. We've been asked to do more with less and we can only do that with like a, a strategy and a technology to scale. Yeah. And some of the ways that we are doing it, just to get back to the secret sauce is we're working with a lot of our customers to understand what their educational initiatives are. And so from a foundational perspective, we talk about our methodology, you know, how our implementation, our 20 years of experience in the ed tech field and, and how we take the framework of your business objectives, your content, your audience analysis, the educational marketing strategy and the measurement that you want to take with your educational initiative and sort of map those out to see, are you doing you know, skilled enablement? Are you doing onboarding, certification? What type of sort of initiative are you doing? And what is the audience you're trying to reach? And what is that outcome that you're trying to come to? So so we're working on this Intellum framework with each of our customers to help them map that out because I think then it gives them a better opportunity to see long-term some of the trends and the data, they see the scalability to what Shannon was saying is a lot of times there's an opportunity. Uh, I had a conversation yesterday with one of our customers and they said, yeah, we've got a knowledge base that's outside of our current platform, the platform they use with us. Yeah. And they say, we love it. It's great. It's just in time resources, but I surely would love to track the metrics on how people are using that. How can I do that? I'm like, well, guess what? Knowledge base is going to be another component that Intellum's bringing into this platform. Yeah. So we are sort of this one-stop shop in a sense. And so with gamification and video app player, and then eventually knowledge base, we'll have all of these different types of delivery mechanisms, tools, and initiatives all living under one house. You know, we even have the social tool that helps with engaging the learners in the learning experience with others for peer-to-peer conversation and those kind of things. So absolutely, absolutely love what you're, you're talking about. Okay. I think we're at that moment where we need to start to wrap up. What I would like you to be able to do is again, Last final words to the audience, but most importantly, do you have stuff coming up that the audience could participate in? For example, I know that I'm going to be talking at Pulse on May 17th at 4.15. Really exciting. And what we're talking about here now, all the things, Michelle, Shannon, you're talking about are like customer success attributes. How do we achieve Mm -hmm. success? You know, I think this is the core of customer success because we're always learning and we're always educating. And yet we, we need to turn that inside out. So, okay. What do you want to say to the audience as we walk out the door and then I'll close it up? I don't know what we currently have coming, <laughs> unfortunately. I can tell you we have a lot of live events that we've been doing, live training, which has been a change. So I can talk a little bit about that. Shin, do you know of any events that we're hosting? We will be at ATD. So actually one of our customers, Jacqueline Anku from Gusto, yeah. will be talking about what she's done and, and which really like the other thing I was going to say, like we're going to be at ATD and you can listen to Jacqueline and Lizzie talk and they're going to 
kill it because they always kill it. But just that idea of secret sauce that Michelle was talking about, like not so secret. We're not trying to be secret about it, but just that idea of the methodology. And you about this at the beginning, Dave, is we all come from different backgrounds. So whether we came from an ID or LXD background or like marketing ops, traditional, like being a teacher, academic education, we all come from these different backgrounds, but this field is so much bigger than any one of those things. And so we have to think about the entirety of it, right? Like I always think, does the right hand know what the left hand is doing? Do I know what, where my function is, what's happening here and what's happening here? And I think that methodology gives you a good framework for that. So, you know, Jacqueline will be talking about that at ATD, but we should totally put that in the the notes of like, so people can see what that looks like to follow that. It's a very approachable framework. Yeah, I think that, and I'll say hello to Jacqueline, friend of mine, we've talked. That's great. You know, it's important to see how you can build an amazing program with the tooling that you've got. So yeah, go check them out at ATD if you're going to ATD. And we'll look forward to seeing some more bits and videos that come out of that event. Hopefully you'll share them later. For sure. And there's always underscore too. Uh, I think that's something Intellum has offered for years. Underscore is a webinar series featuring industry experts and thought leaders talking very practically about like what, for example, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about, we're going to hear from Cricket and Impact Partner Experience Academy. Their name is Impact, the company name. Um, But they're going to talk about how they gamify their learning experiences and like kind of pull back the curtains on that. So underscore is always a good way for people to like learn something new from interesting people. Fantastic. Anything else coming up? I won't put you on the spot. (laughs) No, just a lot of content. You know, we've talked about gamification. I just published a blog yesterday on getting started with gamification and just like very practical steps. So for me, it's always like, okay, cool idea. Like what now? Where do we go with this? How do I actually do that? And I think the big thing there is, is you can take it slow. Like you can do a piece at a time. It doesn't have to be a whole redo of, of your entire programming. And with intention. You know, don't forget the strategy. Don't make the mistakes I've made, which is rush to a, a credential. Make sure that means something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, my friends. And I'll do a shout out to, to Chip Ramsey. And thank you all. Thank you both. Shannon Howard, Michelle Ellis, Dr. Michelle Ellis. Let's, let's give you the title you've earned deservedly. It's important. We have, we've really enjoyed this. I really thank you very much for your support, for the community support. And for all of you, get out there. If you're looking or a platform and tell them.com. So with that, if you want to learn more, remember we always have a podcast website. You're probably listening to it on any one of the platforms, but we're at customer.education. Super simple. I still can't believe we've got the name. You can find show notes. You can find links. You can find other materials. There are sponsor links there so you can talk to or and tell them folks too. So please, again, if you found value in this podcast, share with your friends, share with your peers, share over beers. Get, get out to the others because our mission at C-Lab is about helping support you, folks like Shannon, folks like Michelle, platforms like Intelm that are trying to connect with you and have this conversation to continue it. Similarly, I, I haven't said this recently, but if you're interested in talking, you've got a, an idea to share, you've got a site you want to show off, talk to us. There's a new form on our webpage at customer.education and you can do just that thing. All right. Thanks to Alan Cota for providing our music and to our audience. Thanks for joining us. Get out there, educate, experiment, and find your people. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>